Merry Christmas, Conduit. Oh, come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the King of angels. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the we have heard 
shepherd's white this jubilee. Why am I missing the wrong one? With the glad subtitles be this inspired
birth of Jesus. Luke 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. And so Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth to, in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in the cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Billy Thompson had a fastball that took his team all the way to state. And on the day he graduated, he signed with the Oakland A's. When a dump truck blew a tire, crashed right into Billy's dreams. He didn't get to play pro ball these days. He coaches a little league. Sometimes God has smaller plans We can't see those things He can We're all part of something bigger We can understand Sometimes God has smaller plans Jenny Taylor went to Harvard where she got her Ph.D. That diploma that she earned brought her big opportunities. Heaven knows what made her do it, but she turned all that money down to start a free family clinic right back in her hometown. Sometimes God has smaller plans 
we can't see those things he can we're all part of something bigger than we can understand sometimes god has smaller plans on a white december morning at the children's christmas play Jenny squeezes Billy's hand as their little angel walks on stage and says this world wanted a mighty king, but they didn't have a choice. The good Lord saved all of us with a tiny baby boy. Cause sometimes God has smaller plans. We can't see those things that He can. We're all part of something bigger than we can understand. Sometimes God has smaller. God has smaller. God has smaller plans. Merry Christmas, everybody. I'm going to ask you to do something that I don't normally do, and that's if you had your Bibles open, to close them. And to, uh, if you look under your chair, uh, there's a little communion container, just a little small package. The song that Jason wrote, uh, God Has Smaller Plans, was just perfect. He didn't know this, but, you know, the, the message I felt like the Lord gave me for tonight, this really short idea that, man, big things come in small packages. And when I told him that, he's like, man, I wrote this song. And, and it's true, right? Because if you were alive at the time of Christ, the reason everybody missed it was that they kept waiting for him to open up a can of whoop God and draw his sword and charge the thing. And it was but God had smaller plans. And as I've sort of pondered on that today. I was just remembering that the best gift that I ever got was the smallest gift that I've ever gotten. It was a wedding ring. And when we first got married, I mean, we didn't know come here from Sikkim. We barely, I mean, honest to God, her parents should have tried to chase me off. God knows your friends did. Um, we didn't have any money. We didn't have any plans. So it was, we didn't have much money. It wasn't even a nice ring, but it wasn't what it was. It was what it said that mattered. And that's so much the story of God over and over again, that he does big things in small groups and big things through small, humble people. It was a widow that would uh, give a little round coin that wasn't, much, but Jesus said it was all she had, and it wasn't what it was, it was what it said. It was, uh, this is a true story. Yesterday, I was asking my daughter, we were in the kitchen center, and I had like silent night going in my head or whatever. I was like, I wonder why they round yon virgin. I wonder what that was about. And my daughter's like, duh, she was pregnant. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> but God's, the story of Jesus was God big things coming from a small package because God would 
give Jesus a little teenage girl and this pregnant mama, this small round belly that would bring forth the freedom of the world. And I'm looking at this thinking, well, this, you're, what you're holding in your hand, this little communion element, this is a seemingly insignificant, and God knows it has no flavor, but it's what it, it isn't what it is, it's what it says. And I was thinking about that, of like, oh, man, the, the idea of God bringing big things in a small package was that Jesus was born and he would fulfill this prophecy of Isaiah 7 and 14, behold, a virgin would be with child, but he would be called Emmanuel because his name meant God with us, which was a big deal. Because before that time, and honestly, even unto today, people want to know God, and so their idea is if I can know more, if I can build a tower to get to him to, on my bricks of philosophy, my bricks of wisdom, my bricks of ideology and there was no better picture of that than in uh, the, the plains of Shinar in Genesis 11 when they wanted to build a tower to reach heaven and it says that they put these bricks together and it was their efforts to get to God but it says that they held it together with slime which was like tar it was like the sappy stuff and it's such a picture of me because I have these ideas of my works my do- if I can do this good enough that I could get enough bricks together that I could reach to get to God. But it's held together with slime. Even like there's some good ideas and if I connect enough of them together, maybe it's a, an attempt to get to know him and held together with slime. And God would know that and so what he would say is instead of you with me, it's me with you. And he would literally become, he'd just leave behind infinites and become finite, leave behind large and become small so that God could be with us and that we could see how to live, we could see how to be. He, you know, and the, for those that say, hey, this is good teaching, you want to follow Jesus and he has you know, be due unto others, he was a good teacher, there are those who believe that. But there's a problem with that and that's that it wasn't just God with you because it is true. He said to Philip, Jesus said, if you want to know God, the Father, just look at me because I and the Father are one. The Bible says if you want to know what God is like, we don't have to build a tower. We couldn't get there anyway. We just look at how Jesus is and we're like, oh, that's what God is. All the ideas that I had, it's God with us. It's him. But the problem is, is I can't do it very well. Like I can't live like he lives. I, I blow my stack. I do stupid things. I, I'm, you know, and maybe you don't, but I do. And, and, and humanity at the core of who we are, the more we try, we really will always fall short. So he didn't say just God with you, he said God in you, which is a beautiful promise. Colossians 1.27, he says that it's not this great mystery that is now solved, the mysterion, a mystery that was a mystery that's not a mystery anymore, is Christ in you that is the hope of glory. And he gives us the power to not just try to live like he does, but he gives us the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us. Emmanuel, God with us, Christ in you, Colossians 1.27, because he became one of us, now he could be inside of us and give us the power, the inspiration. It's the Holy Spirit. It's Christ in you. And as you unwrap the gifts tomorrow, we think of unwrapping Jesus in the, you know, the, the swaddling clothes. We're unwrapping this mystery of what Christ with you and Christ in you. And if you've got the, the little communion wafer in front of you, what I love it, if you would unwrap, as we're unwrapping this idea of who Jesus is with us and in us, the idea that we're unwrapping this mystery 
We're unwrapping this little piece of wafer that's small and round and worthless and tasteless, but it's not what it is, it's what it says, it's what it represents, because he would say that this would be my body broken for you. That because of the power of sin that had to be broken, that his body would be broken. And today, if you've never had the opportunity, I would encourage you now, right where you are, and maybe you've seen it on TV that I'm supposed to have an altar call and you come down and I lay hands on you. That's not a bad thing, it's just that's just not how Jesus did it. Jesus said, hey, choose you this day who you will serve. He didn't say you gotta come down and bow your head and close your eyes. He just said, so right where you're sitting, I would invite you to say, yeah, Christ in me, the hope of glory, Christ with me, to be a part of that. And as you pray that, what better thing, the first act, because Jesus would say to his disciples later, hey, when you're together, as often as you come together, do this, because you're going to be like Darren and you're going to forget. So you're going to need this to be reminded that it was me that became flesh. What was it, First John 1, he says, and I, I can hear it in his words, because John would have been older by this point, and people would have challenged him, like, dude, there's no way. I, this wasn't, I didn't see him, I didn't. And what does he say, First John 1, who, these, he's, we've seen with our eyes, I've heard with my ears, I've touched with my hands. It's almost like he's saying, I know it sounds crazy, but I touched him and I saw him and I heard him. I saw it with my own eyes. And John, who saw it with his own eyes, would literally be boiled in oil, would be persecuted, would be tortured. And you know, if he didn't see it, he, all he had to do was sing like a canary and it was over, but he couldn't because it was true. And for us tonight to say, yeah, it was true. And we have this opportunity to take this, unwrap this mystery and to partake of this together. So as, and if you're not comfortable and maybe you don't have that, and I'm, maybe you're not there yet, I would, that's fine. You can sit it out. Nobody will judge you at all. But for those of you that have the relationship with Christ and this is meaningful, I would ask you right now to take this and to take not what it is, but what it means and to partake of this together. And you know what I love about what God did? Because it was God with you. It's God in you. But there was one more dimension because he knew how this, he knew, uh, what does it say in Psalms? I remember that you're just dust. I get it. Like I've, I understand it's difficult. And he would say, it's not just me with you. It's not just me in you. But it's me for you. Because I'm going to blow it. I'm going to make dumb decisions. I'm going to continue to. And so when he said it was me for you, what did he say? Romans 5, verse 8. That While you were yet still sinners, I died for you. Not after you got, you know, you didn't clean up so you could take a bath. He said, I'm, I love you just the way you are, right where you are. And while you were yet still sinners, I died for you. My love for you was to die for you. You see, when Joseph would have wrapped him that night in a, in a, a swaddling clothes and they laid him in this manger, and maybe you know this, that a manger was actually a feeding trough that the bread of life was going to be laid in a feeding trough, a picture of what was to come, that he would be beaten and bruised, but he would then bleed for us, that it, for us, because the beauty of what he did was so perfect, it means that not one drop was wasted of his blood, because it's every sin I've ever committed, every sin I am committing, every sin I will commit, it is all perfectly forgiven. Not one blood drop was wasted. And I don't know about you, but that's important to me that God's 
greatest deed was man's greatest need, which was a need of forgiveness. Because there are things that I have done that I don't have the currency to pay it back. Me just saying I'm sorry doesn't undo the harm. The toothpaste is out of the tube. But because of what Christ did, he had the currency, he had the amount, and it was all taken care of. And so I would ask you today to remember that there was another Joseph that would wrap Jesus in swaddling clothes and he would lay him on a slab in a tomb that looks an awful lot like the feeding trough if you've been there. And he would lay this body of Christ on the slab, but death couldn't hold him down. I can go and see the grave of Buddha. I can see the grave of Mohammed because it's still there but there is no grave of Christ because he is risen, he is resurrected, that death has been defeated. Do you understand that not dying isn't defeating death? That's cheating death. Some of you have cheated death. Some of you have swerved at the last minute and some of you have had a sickness and you've overcome it. You've cheated death, but you know what? Defeating death isn't not dying, it's resurrecting. And that's the promise of Jesus. The promise of that one day, you and I, he was the firstborn of us, that he would resurrect from the dead, defeating death. Where is your sting? Because he defeated it, you and I, because Jesus would come in a small package, would be beaten, would be crucified, would be resurrected on the third day, just as all 400 prophecies, he fulfilled them all, including that he would rise and live forever and he is no longer the suffering servant. He is the risen king. And so tonight, if you're unwrapping this, would you unwrap the rest of this? And for those of you that believe in Christ and that is dwelling the inside of you, I encourage you to drink deeply tonight, deeply of the meaning of what this represents, a blood that was so perfect and so pure that it forgiven 150%. It's all forgiven. Would you drink with me? And we would be remiss to forget that it would be Jesus who would resurrect from the dead. And he says that I am the light of the world. And he spoke of that light that was inside of us now that we become the light. And if there's one story of Christmas, it's that is that big things come in a small package. You and I are small packages. We are, we are just human but big things happen because the Holy Spirit is alive and well inside of us today. And as a picture of that, as we sing one more song together, of, uh, be reminded of the birth of Christ. You've got a little candle with you. And as we sing, well, Jim will light one down there and one up here. Just turn to your neighbor and light theirs. And let's stand and let's sing for just a little while longer and be reminded of what happened on that day when Christ was born.
of the Holy Spirit. That means the, the answer to the prayer, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You get to be the hands and feet of Jesus. You get to be the answer to the prayer that Jesus prayed. 
And sure, and our, we've done lots of stuff all over the world, and it blows my mind at the things that God has allowed us, our little fellowship to do, but, but let's start at home. Be reminded of why Jesus came and the power that it gives each and every one of you to be that to each other. Heavenly Father, thank you for being with us, God with us, and for being God in us, and that, oh, that you're for us, that you're crazy about us, that you love us, that you're for us, not against us. And if you are for us, who can be against us? Thank you so much for the sacrifice that you made. There's no other God that has claimed to be God that required courage, but you had courage, God. It took courage to come to us. Thank you for that. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. If you're part of our regular family and this is your last time, I know we're not doing church tomorrow morning and I want you to have fun with your family, but for those of you that wanted to give before the end of the year because of tax breaks and I think that's great you know, get all you can from that uh, we're going to have just the buckets at the back if you're a visitor by the way this service is a gift for you don't put your checkbook away we don't want your money but if you're part of the family and this is part of what you do for our, our family just know that the buckets will be on either side of the sound booth as you go tonight for that so God bless you Merry Christmas Merry Christmas